Yeah. Hello, lovely people, and welcome to another episode of Quintessentially Queer. I am your host, George Rallis, and yet once again, we're here together, and this time joined by the lovely UV Glove, all the way from Cyprus. Hey, girl, hey. How are hey, you? everyone. How are you? I'm good. In, I'm good. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, like the sound is a bit off because we're doing this online, trying to be trendy with Corona right now. So we're just being a little bit experimental. But we have the lovely UV Glove today from Cyprus. Uh, well, she's not originally from Cyprus. She's, she's the Russian prostitutka, supreme queen <laughs> of Cyprus. But before we get in our actual interview with Anastasia, let me spell it out a little bit in the beginning before I introduce you to her art and her medium. So when we're talking about female sexuality, right, what comes to mind, at least to me, primarily, is sacrifice, first of all. And on the other hand, how can we be t- how can we talk about female sexuality without it being taboo? It's so fucking trivialized, right? But when we're talking about sacrificing in general, that's what fucking women have to do with their own sexuality, you know what I mean? But beyond that, that's what religion preaches to everyone, right? It's Jesus's like very simple philosophy of sacrifice in which a person gives for what he will get a little bit more and that that he would get back or she anyway would be more valuable than that which they give. So in this way, it's like women are asked to kind of like sacrifice their sexuality to be given this like sanctified notion of what a woman is. Thus, in, in like uh, religious teachings in general, um, one is dealing with a very fundamental thing, the test of a human's own life, where they not only act sensibly and hold such sensibility at all costs, but also they act in this way in order to show the sincerity and the Christ-like characteristics of their own nature. I say fuck that shit, you know what I mean? Why did the gay guy go to church, girl? I'll tell you why. Because he heard there's a hung guy there. But I'm tss, I don't have the sound effect for that. Anyway, however, up to an extent, right, if we shed like an analytical light on what the church holds dear in relation to sacrifice, one may question the level of agency required to perform such an act of sacrifice in itself. Arguably, in order for someone to reach these Christ-like characteristics of their own nature, one should actually have the opportunity and the free will to do so. Contrastingly, though, as seen by Lucy Tutman, what happens in relation to the female sacrifice is that their own ethicality and morality is actually attributed to the act itself as formed in as a necessity with a, with a lack of an authoritative agency. It actually doesn't come up to them whether they will sacrifice or not, you know. According to Butler, going back to my mom every fucking time, there is a social gender hierarchy which produces and consolidates gender. If gender hierarchy thus presupposes an operative notion of what gender is, the gender and the idea of it is actually what causes it. You know what I mean? It doesn't go on beyond that. The formulation of these behaviors of each gender culminates in tautology where each gender is just what it is. A woman is a woman. A man is a man. There is these formulations of identity that we all need to follow at all costs. However, 
In the case of the male gender, actually, the male actually chooses when they can self-sacrifice in relation to the standard religious ethics, well, also the social ethics, when, on the other hand, women actually don't. Through Tatman, the woman is considered a gender that is abundantly disruptive of the eternally fixed monosubjectivity that is required by the logic of the theistic order. The logic, though of this sacred order anyway, constitutes woman as a gender that is divided in three and is socially accepted only as such. On the one hand, being the virgin, on the other being the whore, and on the other being the mother. These are the only two fucking, only three fucking cases where women can actually have a sexuality. In relation to these three, the mother is she who claims, calms, and holds together, while also apart, the uncertainty of the virgin and the multiplicity of the whore. Guess which one I fall into. Woman, on the other hand, as a sacred gender of multiple personifications, is thus also a gender of multiple self-knowledges, but also a gender that is faithful to its own status as alterities as it coincides with its presupposed subdivisions. Such predispositions attached to each type alters the, their way of self-sacrificing since they don't have a choice as they're actually put in particular types regardless. To begin with, the virgin presupposes a level of, un of uncertainty since her own purity is what constitutes her status as the most noble nature to sacrifice. Her transcendence and knowledge is unrealized individualistically and unknown as it's realized only through the observation of her status by everyone around her. Everyone else sees that she's a virgin. She doesn't really realize that, you know what I mean? Because she's so, like, pure. She doesn't even think about sexuality. Tatmat noted that the virgin, in relation to sacrifice, has an identity that is stancing, like, like as a stance, I mean, leans towards and yearns to it, I mean, sexuality. However, it doesn't completely touch it. However, the aestheticizing of such virginal characteristics stems solely from its parallel fetishizing. The only reason the virgin status is acclaimed on such a high standard is that the act of its sacrificing is actually what makes it so important. However, it is someone else that commits the act of sacrificing her own status due to her naivety and pureness. The only thing that makes a virgin interesting socially I mean, on a patriarchal note, is the fact that everyone else can actually, like, consume her own sexuality rather than her. She has no say in it, which is fucked up. Contrastingly, to the lack of sacrificial knowledge and volition of the virgin, the whore has crossed the threshold of sanctification and appraisal since she has a level of sacrificial certainty within her choice of overtly sexual nature, she already sacrificed her own fucking sexual nature and her virginity, you know, which doesn't make her as interesting as the actual virgin because the virgin is being fetishized in the idea of who and when will sacrifice her own sexuality. The whore, been there, done that, you know. She's seen as uncontrollable and unpredictable and is the protagonist in a world where her flesh has been made known to the world. Such knowledge shows a specific presence which is, on the one hand, deemed unethical and sinful, yet alluring and powerful, with a sense of shame as regarded and lusted by everyone around her, but not really owning up to it. And in this way, 
functioning within her own religious self-sacrificial backdrop of shame. The whore reaches for the other and falls into temptation which deems her morally and religiously a caution while also a model of prohibition. She is who you should not want to become. She sacrifices herself, but in a way where it is not to reach a higher level of Christ-like being, but actually she is an example because she sacrificed exactly that, because she could never reach that, you know? And I'm like, honey, guess who Jesus was fucking like hanging out with? Mary Magdalene. And she looked great. She was doing the most. However, such, no- such notions of ethicality have changed her touch, her words, while also her nature intrinsically, and thus making her knowledge a bit bittersweet. The cursed blessing of the whore adds a level of plurality to her, since by the work of her own hands, through experience, she knows that the nature which she cannot understand, or actually be praised to, are notions of ethicality. But on the other hand, she's actually secretly either worshipped or abhorred and hated. Taking it one step further, the mother functions as the subject with which the surrounding subjects determine their coexistence in reference to. The mother is the person who will give the start and the meaning to each person's journey, while parallel, watch them minder gently from her and leave her alone. The mother commands the knowledge of coexistence while also of neutrality. Through her lifetime, she transcends the spectrum and has now the logic of superabundance of nature and of knowledge. She has the duty, but also the yearning, to respond to the other's cry will simultaneously wield the power to give life and meaning to it. Similarly, she has the capability to enable the improbable and unpredictable by being in and of the world. However, the tragedy within the mother figure ironically lies too within the gift she commands and creates. By giving life and meaning, the mother just opens the door to coexistence but also of polysemy and to freedom. The infant who was but an hour ago a part of her own body, is now a different individual, with its own hungers and needs, and that if she listens to her own body, to interpret the child, and basically, like, you know, give her own knowledge, the child will actually, like, hate her. You know what I mean? We all, like, got mad at our mom at some point for trying to appropriate us in her own, like, knowledge. The life the mother creates will exceed her and surpass her without the possibility of controlling the effect it has on her since any explicit interference will disturb the child's discourse. She may never forget, even if she wanted to, the knowledge which she was given which was given to her, that of tranquility and overarching wisdom. That's what we expect of her mom. Yet, which part of her own self is being subdued and sacrificed in the shadow of motherhood? You know, they're a person too. Nevertheless, as a bundle of characteristics, sacrifice comes as a certainty with the mother figure, regardless if that sacrifice must go beyond the individual self. Taking into consideration the aforementioned, motherhood implies a form of sacrifice which surpasses the mother's sense of the good life, basically. And their own self, their own like self, self, selfishness to an extent, you know. Religion in this way 
as it is perceived by West modernity, teems with the political and social, and thus secures in its interpretation the sacred as safe, sound, unscathed, and immune. Arguably, the substitution and limitation of the uncontrolled and sacred female trinity, I would call, by the socio-patriarchal hegemony of stereotyping, indicates that sacrifice in itself may be far more than just a religious predisposition. It is a patriarchal myth. The cleansing and appropriation of the sacred notion of what a woman should be is connected with the eradication of the terrifying, the disruptive, the alluring, the comforting, the foreign, the other, and in general, the actual feminine. That's the fucking problem. We have a problem with women. I don't fucking understand why. We all came out of one bitch, so you should be thankful to them. This religious appropriation of the forces, which would potentially threaten the continuation of the sacred power hierarchy, actually substitute the same consolidation of social gender, which Judith Butler was talking about and we all fucking live under. This distancing, yet dependence of the female gender within its own boundaries, promotes a meeting, a connection, of the multitude of meanings and thus a union of otherness. When a woman chooses to be a bit more masculine, or a lesbian, let's say, is a bit more butch, we're like, oh, fuck her, like, you know, she's acting like a man, like, la, la, la. On the other hand, if a lesbian is like a lipstick lesbian, which I find a very problematic term, or if a woman is a bit more feminine, men actually think that their own sexuality is made for their own consumption. It's like, they cannot even fathom that a woman doesn't want to have sex with them. I'm like, babes, if they actually identify as lesbian, why the fuck would you think that they want to spend time on your sorry-ass dick? Sorry. You know? So, this distancing, right, yet dependence of the female gender within its own boundaries creates an identity that not even women can own up to, let alone live through. You know? This external questioning of sacrificial motives the woman is subdued to, and the adoption of sacrificial identities, which a female must religiously fall into and follow, create an internal power pendulum that women either go here or there, all the time. The virgin, self-sacrificing to it with uncertainty and without agency. The whore, celebrating the sacrificial method of the appraisal of the other through her own body, and the mother, being the middle, transcending her own self, and sacrificing her nature without ever denying it or drifting away from it. God forbid a mom actually owns up to her own sexuality, or wants to feel a little bit frisky for a night. Of course not. A mom should never do that. Regardless of whether the form of the female sacred sacrifice is only appraised and legitimized, if fallen into this, like, like, trinary, let's say, or, like, I don't know how you would call it, like, um threesome of identities. On another note, what this does is acknowledges and attains through it a beneficiary in the constructing element of the social, gender, binary, and ultimately gender oppression. In this way, all three types are transcribed through one gender, which is socially constructed, and also has as its universal principle, in my own understanding, 
the gift of sacrificial knowledge and awareness, the knowledge of a wonderful nature, which even without ties to moral te- decencies that other people put her to, could never, ever be tamed or subdued to fucking prerequisites. Since, even if that is the case, and its actions and realities are so fucking alluring, its own coexistence and multitude will never fucking answer the questions that are tied upon them as fucking anchors. And that's all she has to fucking say about it, girl. But now, before moving to the interview part with UV Glove, let's get a little bit into her album. Sorry, we had some interference there. I have a lot of shit to like manage today, like devices everywhere. With Destroying, that is in her album, uh, what is it again? Rise of Andromeda, right? Yes. Yeah. And it, it was released with Honest Electronics. Let's get a little bit into it. That was destroying by Yuvi Glove. Hey, girl. Hey. How are you? Can you, you? hear me? Yes. I can. Wait. Speak again. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Can yes. you hear? Okay. Yes. Perfect. Look at us being all high tech and shit tonight. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? How have you been, babes? How are you holding up with Corona and everything? You stayed in Cyprus for the whole thing, right? Yeah. Uh, well, now in Cyprus, the lockdown and like is over so let's say what we could call quote-unquote normal is coming back so like places are opening things are happening slowly slowly but 
Okay. <laughs> um, so um, it's been fine. I'm the corona. <laughs> I'm the queen. <laughs> I'm the pandemic bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm the queen here. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, it's, no. I just wanted to ask you, like, how have you been? You've been have you been creating? Uh, I saw you have yeah. your album now out. It's been a while. Yeah, that. Yeah, that happened. It was released on my birthday, so it was like pandemic happening. My birthday. <laughs> yes, I'm an Aries bitch. <laughs> oh yes, babes. Fuck yes. I'm, uh, I'm, my moon is in yeah. Aries. <laughs> so, All of your signs are in Aries. I remember that. So <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, no, no. My rising is in Cancer because my mom had thought that I was born at twelve thirty at noon, but actually I was born at twelve thirty at midnight. And I'm like, of course I'm born at the fucking witching hour, bitch. So my rising <laughs> is actually in Cancer, which makes so much okay. more sense. But uh, for, let me calculate that. I guess it does, but I'm not sure. <laughs> no. Anyway, we'll get into it. But no, for yeah. those of you that don't know, uh, UV Glove and I, I repeat has released her album called The Rise of Andromeda with Honest Electronics that you can find on um, Bandcamp and SoundCloud at this point, along with other um, releases from Honest Electronics. So, let's get a little bit into it. The reason I gave the introduction, by the way, is because you have a very high influence of, let's say, ecclesiastical background and more spiritual, like, imagery in your music primarily, but also in your, like, um, visual art, okay? But yeah. before we actually get a bit more in detail, you come from Russia primarily, right? Yeah, I was born and grew up in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved to Cyprus six years ago, so that's been a change. Uh, I used to live in the small town of Cyprus, Papos. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> village girl. And two years ago, I moved to Nicosia, so it's uh, been a change. And you're doing graphic Cyprus. design, right? Uh, yeah, I'm studying multimedia, mm -hmm. which is... Um, combination of graphic design, but we do a lot of video production, animation, 3D graphics, um, stuff like that. Also, like, game development, oh, website okay. development. Right, nice. Yeah, we do, like, a lot of digital stuff, so... Okay. Uh, yeah, with the it's basically designed, but for digital media, so... Okay, nice. Okay, I can yeah. totally see that for you now, like, because um, actually, like, I was introduced to you through some friends, um, and I knew you was, like, a DJ, or, no, actually, I knew you first as an artist, and then as yeah. a DJ. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've known each other for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah, bitch, we go back. Um, but it, the funny thing is that, like, this kind of, like, dual orthodox background, besides the fact that it's, like, very yeah. obvious in, like, your music now, it was always, like, evident in your, like, art. But how would you say that this kind of, like, duality, right? Because, I mean, it's literally two of the most fucking orthodox countries. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... How does, how does it affect, like, your artistic identity? A lot. <laughs> so, well, actually, I do not come from a religious family. Mm -hmm. So my parents are nuclear physicists. Oh, what? <laughs> I did yes. not know that. Oh, work, bitch. Nice. Not, and then my grandfather is an engineer, and then grandmother a chemist, whatever, like all the sciences together. Uh -huh. And um, so in my family, I haven't been exposed to religion as much. But when you go to school, 
when you go hang out with people, it's like you understand that religion is like such a big part. And of course, oh, yes. my first interaction with society when I went to school was like, ah, that's blasphemous, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> my existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then this expectation that girls are like supposed to be like nice and like all this mm. like virginity uh, topic and blah 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 of course mm. so and the whole like oh my god we're celebrating easter and like right now you're not supposed to be eating this and that and then you're also supposed to pray and like whatever it, i mean and even though russia might not be the most religious like it's orthodox and it's quite religious but because of soviet union um it's not so um uh in terms of like we don't like the public holidays are not um christian holidays you know what i mean but it's kind of like embedded into like perception of humanity gender whatever it's like it's kind of it's more cultural there no matter what yeah Yeah, it's yeah. yeah so yeah i've been exposed to that a lot how how is it like because i mean also girl so to say like this only in 21 that would get offended but it's like cyprus is genuinely like the retirement village of fucking russia at this point <laughs> you know what i mean so yes uh, i know <laughs> yeah so how would you say that it's kind of like russian background how is it like applied in a separate context uh, would you say that there's like a different treatment to you uh- there is yeah yeah (laughs) there's always this bias of like oh you're a rich russian bitch who is like has the money (laughs) to move here who has got like okay i'm not denying that i'm privileged person generally Mm -hmm. but there is always like this kind of bias of like ah it's easier for you like and also i haven't been um and i haven't encountered much like um I guess racism as in like uh, people insulting me as much, but I'm I'm fetishized all the time. Like yeah. I'm a god pale Russian bitch who is also super young, who is like feminine presenting. Oh yeah. And then like, oh my god, uh, do you have a husband? And I'm like, <laughs> I have a girlfriend. And I'm like, oh my god, so you're like gay, right? So like, oh my god, do you want a threesome? And I'm just like. <sighs> Okay, just like, just leave me be. You just, know? just bye. <laughs> Honestly, bye, you know, Felicia. Um, like, seriously. Like, fe- I'm, I'm, encount- I'm like encountering fetish, being fetishized all the time, like by cis, straight, male, dominant, <laughs> Cypriot. Uh, and not just that. I mean, there are quite a lot of people who fetishize Russians, and especially Russian women or oh, yes. pretty. So... Yeah. That's what I don't get. Like, I don't understand why men are just, like, so surprised when you're like, I don't want to have sex with you. You know what I mean? It's literally just, like, that simple. Especially if you're, like, queer, you know what I mean? And I get this on the other hand, like, on the other end, as, like, a queer man, we're kind of, like, guys, they kind of, like, assume that I would definitely want to see their dick or I would definitely want to, like... I don't know what, fuck them. And I'm like, babes, the reason I'm queer is because I'm into queer men, not because I'm into dick. If I was into dick, I got a deal doing trust. It's probably bigger than yours. So <laughs> please take a seat, you know? Yeah. But um, this fetishizing, it's, it's, it's a bit like, I don't know, at least from my understanding, when I see your art, um, I think you kind of like take back the night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When it comes down to it, because it is like, 
you are using it to your own advantage. I mean, this like Russian background and this kind of like a bit more orthodox, let's say, substantiality that people would associate with you because you are a multimedia yeah. artist primarily. Yeah. So on the one hand, um, your imagery kind of like incorporates a more like sacred element to it and a religious mm-hmm. influence. But on the other hand, like this a bit more more technological, more techno, I don't know, I guess a like gloomy vaporwave aesthetic to it, you know? <laughs> Where did that come out of? How did you end up with that? Um, okay, so um, I guess um, I always struggle to identify, like, as I, I'm this or I'm that, like, I, I'm an artist or I'm a musician, producer, whatever, like. So and then I came to term multimedia artist is what fits me best because I use a lot of media in my practice and I end up combining like all of them into one performance, let's say. Mm-hmm. So the religious imagery came from like my surroundings and also the, I had this fascination from like childhood with like female representation in um, um, religion, especially like, for example, if you take Virgin Mary in uh, in. Piet, how is it, Pieta? Yeah, Pieta, yeah, yeah, yeah. where she's holding Jesus and she's like so, like, I mean. Yeah, it's, yeah, holy. It's holy and like all this suffering and I mean sacrificing. Yeah. And the fun fact about Virgin Mary is like she's both the virgin and the mother. It's like, you know, mm. she's holy and she didn't sacrifice her purity, but she's also a mother. You know? I mean, I don't know how much I believe about <laughs> that fucking flower. Wait, what was the flower? Uh Lily? Lily? I don't remember. <laughs> oh my god, I'm such an idiot. I don't remember what flower was that, but I know there is a Virgin Mary of lilies. It's hey. like one. Yeah. No judgment. I love getting pollinated as well. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so yeah, going to hell for this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, actually. emotions and okay. Like growing up in Russia, like. Um, and I don't know if, I guess, like, not only Russia, I mean, people in Cyprus have, and many people of my age have experienced that, where, like, expressing intense emotions is kind of, like, it's wrong. Like, it's a sign of weakness, whereas it's actually the sign of uh, power, because you are actually powerful in a powerful to be vulnerable, you know? Oh, yes. So yes. I kind of grew up believing that I, I intense emotions are bad, but I personally felt a lot of emotions. Like, and for me seeing like, oh, this is like, I know fascinated with anything that was kind of like portraying intense emotions mm-hmm. and like this kind of intense sadness. And also it's a Russian thing, I guess. We like the dark and gloomy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like this expression of like deep sadness and melancholy. And I always like, was really interested in that in music or like generally arts like stuff that really makes me like go like oh my god i'm just feeling a lot of things right now looking at it or listening to it yeah and uh on the other hand like this techno darkness um aspect of my work i guess it's uh, yeah um also, like a lot of, I know in Russian culture, in Cyprus, it's not such a, uh, it's not so common, mm-hmm. but in Russia, because of the climate and the kind of like this, um, the, so, the social aspect of, it's very dark and gloomy and it can like be traced in like our mythology and uh, history and like works of art. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's like very dark and intense in itself. So it's kind of like this aspect that kind of 
inherited from being Russian and also because I've always been into like techno and electronic music so that kind of like also brought some aesthetic um, as an influence to me so and I kind of came to the point where I was just like why do I have to separate the two I was just like bringing the things that I like together and it came out to the I came to the point where I was like using this uh, Gloomy vaporwave aesthetic (laughs) together with religion and yeah and for me always like I I felt like denying this oppressive nature of uh, toxic femininity Mm -hmm. is like I don't want to like deny it I just want to like use it (laughs) and be like listen it's oppressive but like look at me taking control of this shit and being like Fe- uh, feminine and being like all re- uh, sh- like showing religious imagery, but like, hey, hey what's up? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like came to me naturally, I guess, over the time. So nice. yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Do you have a like? Do you have a specific point of reference? Like I don't know, maybe an artist that you're like really inspired by a movie, uh, whatever, like a DJ. I don't know. Um, okay, if we talk about the aesthetics, I think growing up, my mm-hmm. first crush was Madonna. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> obviously. I was five and I saw her like on TV and I was like, who is that? <laughs> and I was obsessed ever since. And then, of course, Lady Gaga came through with uh, Born This Way in oh, Judas and oh, I was honey. like... Honey. <laughs> when I saw the Born ring. This Way, like my asshole skipped a bit, seriously. <laughs> it's like Baby Rallis was like, yeah. It was amazing. The, the raging lesbian inside me was like going crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> and even, I mean, I was like nine and I was like, oh my God, Lady Gaga is so cool. She's like, <laughs> or like Madonna. And I was like, maybe I'm a lesbian. But I was like, okay, let's deny that shit. Trust me, I know. But at this point, the only thing that I got out of that fucking closet is amazing outfits. So thank you, closet. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, okay, let's move a little bit away from the intersection, right? Um, yeah. You were telling me on a more general note um, that as your goal as like a graphic designer would be to make a tarot card deck that I would like that would be amazing actually. How does this side like come in play with your artistic one? I mean, because I, I know you personally as a friend, but beyond that, I mean, like. You do believe in spirituality and you do research in these things. You like tarot, you like meditation and like all this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like ambiance. So how does it, <laughs> so how does this like come in and interplay with like your your create creative journey? I guess like is there a process specific one that you follow? Like how do you like conceptualize something is what I'm asking and I always ask this to all of the artists that I bring on the show because I feel that it's an interesting way to tackle the question of creation right because everyone has a different process and maybe I don't know yeah 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 um, so I guess I wouldn't consider myself as ultra spiritual but I've always had like this interest in mm-hmm. mysticism or you know mysticism that's the word yeah 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 um, so, uh, I have always been fascinated with like mythology, religion, legends, mysticism, and like the way they use like symbolism and imagery, uh-huh. uh, and 
for example, in tarot cards, like you have, it's intersection between astrology, numerology, like mystic stuff. <laughs> I mean, uh, and it's like it can even like trace some um, images taken from Christianity. Like you can see like how it's interconnected, and I I have always been fascinated with like this intervening of different things. Yeah. Um, especially Greek mythology is like such a mess. It's so like, oh girl, <laughs> girl. girl. You kind of it will take you like ten years to unravel like the yeah. smallest connection between like a guy or a girl. Like I mean, like uh, they were a brother and sister, but also they kind of like had a uh, incestuous connection and blah blah blah. <laughs> like, and um, yeah, it's like literally though. It's like the it's more drama than the rich housewives of fucking Beverly Hills up in there. We should make like the rich yeah, exactly. houses of Mount Olympus. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so um, and I will, okay. So I guess it's my portrayal of the feminine, and the, it's I've always been interested in the like how different media, let's say, or like different people portray mm -hmm. feminine the feminine and fem women and how it's all connected and like the symbolism behind the colors so for me like if you look into tarot per se like it's such a rich uh, source of information like and culture it's like all jam-packed into like each card and it's yeah it's crazy because, and there are so many interpretations and it's um really like um and it's connected with astrology and because an astrology itself can like is very deep you can go like mm -hmm. so deep you will get lost basically it's deeper than your asshole ah, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and drag her through the mud um so um so for me personally i guess in my art I always start with like my personal experience and emotions. Mm -hmm. So I always start with like my personal experience and then I find a way to connect it with the um, imagery and symbolism and legends and religion and how they can be connected. And sometimes it's vice versa. I see something and I'm just like, Oh, that's an interesting image. And it kind of makes me feel something. And it's also like an interesting play on, um, uh, women and uh, culture and mm -hmm. history and like you know and then um, I kind of like evolve from there mm -hmm. so I guess it's a bit different for if we're talking about my music or if we're talking about my visual art yeah. but I always like um, I start like on a in a personal way and then I kind of go in a more broad sense of like you know and using the imagery and kind of like adapting the imagery in a different way so mm -hmm. that's what's happening here <laughs> it's uh it's i mean there's a ritualistic side of your performances every time i mean when you're playing music so that's why i'm yeah. kind of like asking you this because it's very closely interlinked you did at the um, was it at the ah oh, fuck at the gathering that you had like mm -hmm. the where you were covered with the veil and you were like playing. That was sick. That was super fucking nice. And you were like all in red. By the way, I still have your yeah. black one. And I'm actually wearing it <laughs> somewhere yeah, I'm in my house. Thinking about it. <laughs> I have it somewhere in my house. I don't know where, but it got a very good like. You know what I mean? But beyond yeah. that, right? Uh, let's move a little bit to your album for now, since we're talking about like yeah. my dream. Your mm -hmm. album is out with Honest Electronics, A Rise of Andromeda, who yeah. was actually the ruler of men. Right? Andromeda yeah. is the daughter of the king of the kingdom of Kush. 
Cepheus and his wife Cassiopeia. Mm-hmm. But and then the yeah. thing is that like when Cassiopeia boasts that she's more beautiful than Nereides, Poseidon sends the sea monster to ravage the coast of Ethiopia as divine punishment. And then Andromeda is changed to a rock as a sacrifice to actually sedate the monster, but is saved by death from Perseus, who marries her, takes her to Greece, and then she's his queen. Bitch, fucking messy, you know? Drama. Yeah. Where did this inspiration come from? Like, sexuality, I feel, plays a very big part in your aesthetic. Because it's, like, somewhere between, like, sinister and sensual, you know? That's what I think. So, I don't know. Just tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did you come up with the album? How was that? Was like, a specific way that you, you know what I mean, tackled it? How was this, like, baby born? (laughs) Um, So, originally, it was uh, created to be performed live. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, the, the aspect of it is, like, it starts with one track and it goes through a cycle of eight tracks and then the eight number eight finishes with the beginning of the first track so it goes into a cycle oh nice yeah so it's kind of like a a cyclical yeah yeah, yeah. uh, it's a journey basically and it's supposed to take um the listener on a journey and each track itself is kind of like it has a plot within itself, mm-hmm. not a kind which is kind of detached from the actual journey, but it, but it also kind of signifies a certain part of this whole journey. So um, this the whole album follows like the birth, rise, the struggle, the death, and the rebirth of a character. And the character is like I don't want to label it as Andromeda or like. You know, it's a, it's a being, let's say. And for a listener, they interpret it in their own way. And, like, it's supposed to immerse the listener and for them to experience this cycle, you know, by themselves. So, um, in a way, um, it's also each track started as, like, something personal. And they, they have, like, a very personal background. But I try to depersonalize myself when... I am writing, so it's very heavy with imagery and uh, yeah. uh, references, uh, very dark references sometimes. Yeah, it's very animated, you know what I mean? You can actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can feel yeah. a story like unfolding. It's like very visual, even if it is sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and of course, like the, the reason, like with the, I, it's made as an album, but it's also to be performed live because for mm-hmm. example me wearing a red veil and like doing stuff which accompanies it is like it's a part of the vision of yeah. itself so um and the whole thing with andromeda i get like i don't want to say that she's the main character mm-hmm. she uh, but she has been one of my inspirations let's say mm-hmm. so this whole myth to give birth to the princess and the dragon motif as we know yeah because this cetus was a like a dragon-like yeah, monster yeah, yeah. So, and she was saved by Perseus, even though, like, she, it wasn't her sacrifice. She wasn't chained to the rock by her, like, mm-hmm. because she chose it to be. And because of her mother boasting around it, like, oh, my God, my daughter is, like, the hottest bitch in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, so then she was chained to the rock, basically, for her mother's faults. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm not like her mother just was being a proud bitch, and she was like, "Oh my god, my my I gave birth to this hot mess." Yeah, like, come bitch. On. She was living her best <laughs> life, and it's like, "Mom, you're embarrassing me." <laughs> yeah, and then she being uh, she ends up being chained to a rock with this monster creature, mm-hmm. like uh, on basically on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and of course, she's a ruler of men, which I find like an interesting name, to be honest. So, and even though she's a ruler of men, she has no control of her own fate, you know? So, like, it's all predestined, predestined, whatever. It's mm-hmm. going to be this way, whatever. So, and then this guy, Perseus, came, comes and like, oh, my God, I'm going to slaughter this dragon, and then you're going to marry me. So, it's completely the antithesis of, like, <laughs> uh female power like she's yeah. just like basically i'm stuck here for like my mom's uh, fault and you know, here yeah. like just because i was hot you know <laughs> and then this guy just comes in like i'm gonna save you but you have to marry me like okay dude like talk about no fucking freedom. female sacrifice bitch and that's the fucking problem honestly though is that like men are the ones that actually like fucking have power over you and the mother yeah. can only anyway let's not get into it because i'm gonna get like pissed off right now Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Let's so uh, I wanted to Andromeda to reclaim that and not be like in that position of like power struggle of having no choice whatsoever. So the rise of Andromeda is kind of like an antithesis of what happened to her. And I was kind of like imagine like it was a couple of years ago when I got obsessed with Andromeda. Mm-hmm. And I was imagining, imagine if like this guy Perseus came to save her and he got killed by this um sea monster and so she had to save herself and then she turns she came out as gay and i'm like yay yeah. lgbt community of, Gre- of ancient greece <laughs> whatever so and i just want like when i was doing this part of like the rise of the character when mm-hmm. it can like in the album i kind of thought of her and i was like it's going to be her rise. Like, let's do that. You know and like the whole thing and then i named the album rise of andromeda because it was like Uh, by you know um, uh, um, accepting that cycles that we go through like birth and rebirth and like it's kind of um, you know you rise above like all the, like you know at the end of the day you kind of like rise above the struggle and you're kind of come to terms with that mm-hmm. and it's kind of like letting go of that uh, the victim role as Puma especially as uh, feminine figures in the society you know So, yeah. <laughs> Work, bitch. Nice. Okay, let's get yeah. let, uh, let's put on the song actually. So people can get a little bit accustomed to it and we'll be right back for the end of our interview.
So, that was the rise of Andromeda uh, from Yuviglove. So, we're slowly getting to the end of our interview, babe. So, let's get a little bit more personal shit about Cyprus, right? <laughs> How did your creative journey start in Cyprus? Um, I, I think... Mm, okay, maybe I'm bullshitting right now. But I think the first time I actually saw you play uh, live was at, like, XRC in Club D. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Or maybe somewhere... Maybe, yeah. I think so. I think so, right? Yeah, bitch, which is, yeah. like, very admirable. I mean, what, you were, like, what, 18? You know? 18. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Work, bitch. I was just allowed to go into the club and I was playing <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So how, how did your journey start? Like, how, how was that? Um. So... Um, it's, uh, because I was kind of like involved in like going to parties and uh, a lot of my friends were in the music scene. So I was at some point, like, uh, as I always been very interested in music, I just decided to like start experimenting. And at some point I started DJing and then it became a bit more serious. And then it evolved into me producing music. Mm-hmm. And actually, the first time I did a DJ set was when Pablo Disco was playing in Cyprus. <gasps> really? Was, it was my first DJ set. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like my first DJ set at like this party. And it was like I was closing. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, for sick. like 10 people. <laughs> I, I, I was actually supposed to come to that one, but I had my finals, which is very sad. Yeah. You know, I remember the po- uh, the, the podcast with Kelly. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. And at the same time, around like when I started uh, getting into DJing, I met Miltos and the the XRC. founder of XRC, yeah. let's say, and we kind of started working on it together. Mm-hmm. So I ended up playing in Club D. No way, that's <laughs> the only, amazing. Um, probably like uh, the only women who played at Club D were coming from XRC that year. Like, bitch, mm, <laughs> we're getting into that actually. What's it actually like being an artist in Cyprus? First of all, like as a young female artist, that is that is quite pretty. <laughs> but like, what what's it like, girl? Because I have some fucking tea to spill. <laughs> Uh, I have some here too, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not gonna spill it on my computer. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so just spill it on fucking bigots because it's boiling hot. Uh, so uh, it's it's a struggle sometimes. First of all, the community in Cyprus is small, especially in the arts, and when it comes to music, particularly, mm. we all know that general electronic music scene is quite male dominant, and not only in Cyprus. Bitch, preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just Cyprus. And then you take Cyprus, which is a bit behind when it comes to gender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, on, girl, what gender is a bit behind on everything? Yeah, like, yeah it's, I mean, behind on everything. So, yeah. especially gender roles. I mean, oh, come yeah. on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. like medieval times. Yeah, girl. Uh, so, when you combine these two aspects, you get like a lot of. <laughs> um, like discrimination, primarily. Yeah, I mean, I mean, being fetishized is part of that as well. <laughs> girl, there's so much like yeah. implemented sexism in the whole thing that is a bit like the fuck. I'm not gonna name names, but there's a bunch. <laughs> but there's like a bunch of institutions or bars or however you would like to call them in Cyprus yeah. that have used the gay-friendly identity or the more like alternative identity or the more like socially 
social fusion identity anyway. And it's like, bitch, there's so many fucking talented female DJs and producers in Cyprus. And in my understanding, girl, more talented than most men. You know what I mean? Sorry. And then, like, you get a woman playing in these bars and in these clubs once every month. And they play on a fucking Tuesday. And then you have the owners, or the men anyway, that are kind of like a bit more affiliated with the place itself, play on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, doing closings and openings and shit like that, playing with their friends, doing all this fucking shit, and it's just kind of like, girl, aren't we fucking done with this fucking patriarchal dick, I don't know, empire going on? Because it's like, bitch, if people have not been calling you out, it's not like they haven't been noticing what's going on. So it's just kind of like, you're not going to fucking piss on our leg and tell us it's raining. And then when they call you out on it, you get pissed off. Listen, babes, I'm a bitch. I know when I'm being a bitch and I'm very aware of when I'm being a bitch. But then some, when someone calls me out, I'm not going to be like, oh, what? Me? Girl. Like, let's be real for a second here, right? You were intimidated by strong boss as bitches because you understand that artistically they are more versatile and a lot more intricate and intelligent both in their productions while also in their executions so it's just kind of like if you're scared to promote this fucking woman by providing them a platform like a friday would be or a saturday would be um then that says more about you than it does for them because we're all noticing yeah. it you know, sorry, but this yeah. is something that I take very personal, really. Yeah. And it's something, and yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, tell me. No, okay. no, no. Um, <laughs> also, there is a lot of thing with, like, um, uh-huh. being the pretty convention and a pretty DJ mm-hmm. is kind of, like, very sexualized in a way, like, um sometimes it might feel like, am I being really booked right now just because I'm pretty and because I'm going to be like getting more clients because I'm this pretty DJ behind the booth playing tunes, yeah, whatever. Or am I actually being booked because they appreciate my music, you know? Yeah. So um, there is always this kind of like dual, like what is, what's actually the thing behind it. And of course, pretty Russian is always kind of like <laughs> uh, well sold. I mean... <laughs> You know, um, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, girl. Like even here, yeah. like I mean, all this kind of like Instagrammable like um, vibe going on. It's like I don't get it to be honest. Cause like I mean, you know me. Like my introduction to the whole like electronic scene was through Psytrance. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like yeah. their Instagram and like who looks hot has like nothing to do with it. And metal, like you know what I mean? Well, it <laughs> might have been an addition to me. You know, because I do love a fucking sexy rock star. But on the other hand, like, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? I think hip pop is like the definition of sexiness. And he looks like, I don't know, a dehydrated wow. corpse. <laughs> you know? But it's it's so, it's weird. And it really does sadden me seeing all these places in Cyprus. Because there's not that many of them. There's like, what? Four? In the whole country? Not really speaking about, about Black Lives Matter, yet actually benefiting of that. Or, mm-hmm. like, using woman as this kind of, like, tokenization of, oh, we're so inclusive. Well, like, well, bitch, you don't act like it. So, you know. Anyway. But that's all she has to say about it. Do you have any thoughts about the future? Any specific goals, maybe, that you would like to accomplish? 
Um, I'm working on a surprise project with a friend, so it's gonna be all right. Uh, we, we're planning to release a album. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, and it's gonna be surprising because it's not something really. I mean, I haven't seen something like this in Cyprus, <laughs> um, and. Um, I haven't seen that a lot of that as well because it's gonna be like commentary, but also like very dark and like weird. So we'll see how that goes. It's not. It's not. It's not like the music. Like you're like, oh yeah, that's such a nice song. It's actually gonna be like, okay, that's weird, you know. Nice. <laughs> but anyway, like yeah, yeah, we're working on that, and personally, I'm trying to work more a bit on my music, getting my shit together. Mm. Uh, maybe like start working on a new release. Maybe that's not going to be actually released, but, you know, keeping myself busy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. It's amazing. Genuinely, like, the person I really want you to work with is, like, Andrula. You know what I mean? I don't know why. <laughs> uh, actually, that might be happening. Okay? Oh, my that might God, be happening bitch. Because we actually talked about it, okay? I would die. <laughs> like, really. I want to have her on my show. I mean, I will have her on my show eventually, too. But you know what it's like. Anyway, babe, this was the end of our interview. We're already reaching one hour, and I think we've already tired people a lot. So, (laughs) thank you so much for coming. Oh, girl, we can go on for a while. Just bring (laughs) some fucking wine, and that's all there is to it, really, though. Yeah, me and you, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit too much of it for me sometimes. (laughs) Uh, Am I? Where the two priestesses in Cypriot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you can follow Anastasia under UV Glove on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp. Uh, is it on Bandcamp as well? Or through Honest Electronics? Is it? Uh, I think, like, I made an account, but I haven't worked on that. So, like, it's through Bandcamp. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And you can follow me under Gravity Grave on Instagram and Quintessentially Queer on Facebook. And please do follow Uva Radio so you hear all of the fucking amazing podcasts that we have planned for you. Thank you, baby, so much again for being Thank you, best and for the beautiful hour. And let's close the show with Wild Rosemary. Actually, that's my favorite, to be honest. Oh, uh, that's dark. I love it. <laughs> love it, love it. Anyway, kisses. 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 <laughs>